And we'll see after two days in a row of Market Proof Academy classes of six hours or whatever it was. We'll see if my energy level can maintain itself through the whole thing. It's good. It's just, I can't imagine, we, that's why we spread it out the way we do, because I can't imagine, like teaching it still, and so much of it is the same, but when the market changes, this time around, it was interesting teaching the class. Mm. It's like, oh, that answer has been the same for two years, but no, I would think about it differently now. And so mm-hmm. it definitely took, took more energy uh, than, than we, than, than at least for me, it normally would be like, okay, this, we can, we can roll on through this. Yeah. That's what I went and uh, dug through the Halloween candy and I have a almond joy and Kit Kat to give me some afternoon. Oh, good idea. Energy. I just, that, that, that's the other thing. I'm hopping <laughs> right out of the Academy into the podcast, but that's okay. That's okay. You guys can <laughs> carry me through this. Julie, weren't you going to throw away your Halloween candy? I, you said well, something about I probably it threatened to, but I never really planned to. <laughs> I complained about it last week, but I'm That's still right. eating it. That's what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Doesn't mean I've stopped. Mine is up oh. in the cabinet high away. So I forget it's there, but it's still in the Halloween bucket. So every time I open it, I'm like, oh, I should, I should throw you away actually. But we're not a big candy house over here. So it's, it's easy to stay away from it. Mm. So it's okay. All right. Well, let's get started. Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 250. Wait a minute. What? Oh, what's happening here? 250. I'm Kevin Oakley. And with me today is Jackie Lipinski and Julie Jarnigan on this. It's not a bicentennial, right? That's 200 years. I don't know. Yeah. Google that. 200 bicentennial. Anyway, it's a momentous podcast and I just complained about being a little bit tired. The heck. All right. Story time. Julie. Story time. Yeah. So Kevin and I, you and I were meeting the other day and we were talking about a big content project I work on with the Market Proof Award winners. And you had given some good advice. You said maybe block out some time during the quiet weeks around the holidays when things kind of slow down, we start getting less emails and less calls. So I'm passing on Kevin's advice to me, to all of you out there, that as we come into this slower, quieter, you're going to have those weeks before Thanksgiving where there's not as many people in the office. Go ahead and block off some time in your calendar Go to a coffee shop and write those blog post series that you've been meaning to work on. Tell the superintendents to have their sites clean because you're going to be walking and doing photography or do that those Facebook videos you've been trying to do. Just block off some time, find a project that's been going to the bottom of your list and use the quieter days to get some of that stuff done. Because if you don't plan for it, it's not going to happen. Just go ahead and plan now what you're going to work on on those days you don't have as much to do. Yeah. Time blocking works. Mm-hmm. It definitely works. Yeah. Constant yeah. reminders are helpful. My story time is actually just today. I've got a nice compliment from a home builder. They're in the marketing department. They're a team of one. And they were saying there's a lot of things going on in the market and there's a lot of things shifting in what they're doing. But the compliment was that they appreciated that we met with them monthly and we kind of set standards of what we expected from them. 
And we're just a constant in the influx of what's happening in the market and just giving good advice. So that that was nice to hear, but it also reminded me that even when I was a team of one marketing uh, for a home builder, you know, you have to remember you shouldn't, don't, don't sacrifice yourself uh, and think you're on this island. You have to build bridges to other departments. And you also recommended if you're really small, find another person in the industry, a builder buddy, and try to connect with them. And you guys can shoot ideas off of each other or find things that are working, but just stop. Hopefully you're not feeling isolated and you're, you're getting the resources to get things done and just thinking it that way. So just wanted to have a nice little, like, I feel like a lot of people are kind of in a mood lately and things don't feel good. So just kind of work together too, to try and find solutions and, and find that constant in your life. They'll help you. You need other points of contact and not just within the industry. That's really helpful to have it within the industry for sure, because they're, they can relate. But sometimes when things are tough, you don't want to relate either. It would be my other thought in that I've always enjoyed having a connection or two with people who are in completely different industries that might balance you out. So whether that's in healthcare or finance or something that's not about large purchases, but, but other things, it, it just, sometimes their energy level can help you out. And the other thing I was, I was doing a virtual event for a couple hundred people as part of like a leadership seminar for a larger home building company. And someone was asking about how do you maintain your focus and energy level? And I was just reminded again that you can, the whole concept of filter failure and creating filters for yourself, which I've talked about before, but in particular with Instagram. And I, and I said, I don't know how this is going to go live, but, and I, and I pulled up my reels and it's still like every reel right here, live on, on the show is a dog. It's, it's a, it's a dog. <laughs> and if I swipe again, it's a dog because I, I've trained the algorithm intentionally with what do I want to get from that? So there's an unfollow button on LinkedIn. If you see stuff consistently from people who are just complaining or being negative, you can still stay connected. Just unfollow the sucker. And, and then what's left now, you have to be careful that you don't over filter to where you don't ever get differing viewpoints, but you'll still, you know, who those people are who aren't just cheerleaders all the time or always negative. So creating filters on the things that are coming in is just such a big deal around this time and understanding what you need from. So Instagram is not the place I go for news. Instagram is the escape place, right? And that's why I want golden retrievers making me feel great about life. That's, that's what I want from that platform right now. So yeah. And DYC all access, we will mm -hmm. plug that again. That's a great place to find a buddy or to say, Hey, because you can see people like right now, if I click on members in there and then we'll move, move on, but you can click on a button that says near you. So I can see that Mark Hirschfeld uh, from Rhonda lives in Columbus. Will is in Columbus, Janice, you're in state college. So I can see geographically who is nearby and might be in a, in a similar, but non-competing market. And then you can reach out and chat to them directly in there and say, Hey, um, and I, I've also heard rumors of unofficial groups that are being formed and official groups that are being formed to do exactly what you're talking about. So I think it's just also 2023 is going to get a little different. And for people who've maybe felt comfortable in the market in the last few years, you know, I think you just having another, like you're saying, a resource to work through those problems with and, and just understanding you're not alone is, is going to help you even mentally in your position too. 
Right. And I mentioned, you know, you don't want to just have cheerleaders in your feed either. And that made me think about the the biggest feedback from this year's academy, which is which is different. Oftentimes people are going to the academy because they want to learn how to be a, a, a better manager with an outside partner. But the number one feedback, I guess I would say, that that people, the 15 people attending this year's event had was their frustration that every time they meet with their outside partner, it's just cheerleading about how great the ads are working, how great the traffic is, like, look, it just keeps going up or it's just all, all good news all the time. And it was really interesting seeing these people say, and, and that just drives me nuts because I know all the stress I have to deal with and I've got to leave that interaction and go explain to my boss or other people why things aren't all good. And all you're telling me without even giving me full access to the data or the accounts is that everything looks great. And so it's just interesting how, how, how that has changed um, as part of those people attending yeah. this year in particular, or this term, I should say. And then the other thing kind of along the same lines that I, I just put on LinkedIn, I, I love making predictions. Jackie has a whole document that yeah. she won't let me see which is fine. I'm just kidding. I've never asked to see it. I don't, I, I'm just happy to know that it exists where she's tracking the accuracy of my predictions. Yeah. And again, I think predictions are fun because it, it, they're thought exercises, right? It's just what would happen if, or I wonder if, and it helps you to be prepared when things might change. But this idea of, it kind of drives me a little, it drove me, it doesn't drive me nuts now because I'm a boss. Uh, but when I was an employee and, so, and, and my boss, I'd be, I'd be frustrated or having a bad time. And they're like, just focus on what you can control. I'd be like, that is not helpful because what you're giving me to control is such a small thing that it, it ultimately makes me feel out of control more because you're saying focus on the 1% that you, that, that you can contribute. And yet all so it, I understand the concept. And again, it, it makes more sense to me now being older, wiser, whatever. When I was younger, that quote drove me nuts. And so I came across this concept that to me makes sense, which is to focus on what's never going to change versus and trying to anticipate what might change. And to me back then, that would have settled me down and really helped me clarify what, because it's not just what you can control, but what is not going to change. So one example, what is not going to change related to our industry is that people need a place, they need shelter. My friend Rob Hahn says all the time that the bridge is not an option, really, and a cardboard box is not an option. So I need shelter. Okay, so, so that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you go lots of different places with that. But what are the things that are not going to change? You can't control those, but what you can do is learn a whole lot more about them. To me, it provides clarity on, okay, it's not just, and, and man, again, that is what I can control. I can control what I choose to educate myself more about. But how do I decide? And I think to me, just focusing on what's never going to change is often more important than trying to anticipate how something might change in the future, especially when something is new to you. I was talking to this group of leaders and I said, for example, some of you on this call are frustrated with, with people on your team because you have to tell them, don't add that extra $200,000 in options to every inventory home we decide to build. Like, why do we have to say that? Why, can't, why don't they just know that we need to keep these homes affordable and to make good choices? It's because they don't know. Like, there's so many things they're processing, or, or they're stupid, and you need to fire them eventually because mm -hmm. they're stupid. But it's probably that they don't know. So especially then, 
like you can't get distracted with all the what ifs and might happens. That's where as a good team member, you also have to, and this, this is now full circle. You do have to focus on what you can control <laughs> <laughs> and let those around you who have more experience worry about the, what might mm-hmm. like, but, but I guess I just needed a boss to say it in a better way to me. It didn't, it didn't seem to help then, but it, I hope it helps now. Anyway, <laughs> that's where we are. Moving on. Quick word from our supporting partner, Open Door. Not taking contingencies, Open Door creates more opportunities by sending customers a preliminary offer within minutes. Plus, as a builder sales associate, you can provide a flexible close date to help customers avoid double moves and mortgages by closing anytime from 14 days up to nine months. Go to opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn more about how you can partner with Open Door. All right, the news. First up, Twitter users jump to Mastodon, but what is it from bbc.com? Are either one of you on Mastodon? Have you jumped no. from Twitter? I Googled Twitter? what it was today because I was like, I, I feel like I should have researched it. But one of the things I pulled from another article was that they reached a million users earlier this week, up from 400,000 after Musk closed on the Twitter deal uh, October 27th. So people are looking for a different avenue of which to tweet and tell their stories to, but I, I'm not too familiar, but it does seem like it's, there's a learning curve to it from what I did research. Um, but have you, did you play with it, Kevin or? Yeah. Well, the, the biggest, the biggest difference, it interfaces similarly to Twitter in some ways, but there's different servers. And this is where my time in high school and college playing massively multiplayer online games, I think helps me understand this. When you were playing a game with your friend, you had to decide at the beginning, are we going to use the servers on the East coast or the West coast? Cause if, if we go into the game, it's the same game and most of the game is all the same, but I'll never see you and you'll never see me. If you join the West coast servers and I join the East coast, the whole, the whole, all of the different servers don't talk to each other. And each server might only be able, be able to set up to, to hold 200 or 1,000 or 10,000 concurrent users at a time. So there's just a lot of terminology. It's it's not, I don't know what made Mastodon the choice other than I guess the decentralized nature of it, that there's not like one single cohesive ecosystem. But in the article, it shows a pretty funny example of this one person on Twitter said, okay, I've joined Mastodon, but also this. And it quotes someone saying, every Mastodon explanation is like, it's very simple. Your account is part of a kerflunk, and each kerflunk can talk to each other as part of a bumblert. At the moment, everyone you flurgle can see your bloops, but only people in your kerflunk can quirk your nerps. You know, it's just, there's a whole new lingo plus this decentralized nature of the platform and mul- having multiple servers. So I don't, I think this is just a place, I forget who who told me this. I think it was Mark actually from Miranda. This is your second mention in the same episode of sometimes you just got to give people a pillow to scream into. That's what this currently feels like. All the people mm-hmm. are just super pissed off about what's going on at Twitter, going over to scream into the pillow that no one else will pay attention to in a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, there's so many things like this that pop up that then disappear in a month that I've gotten to where, you know, I just kind of ignore it unless I keep hearing about it and keep hearing about it and then we'll see. So that's kind of where I am right now. And I don't like that they call them, does it say they call them toots instead of tweets? They did. Yeah. 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 Mm. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Right. Exactly. 
Next up from uh, Zillow.MediaRoom.com. Home buyers and sellers' biggest misconceptions in a shifting market. This is published on November 7th, so pretty darn recent. A new Zillow survey of agents reveals what buyers and sellers are getting wrong and what works in today's market. The top misconception among aspiring home buyers is that home prices will significantly fall. Zillow research finds a rapid drop in prices is unlikely. So the key word is rapid. All kinds of estimates from, from Zonda, from Zillow, from Forbes and Housing Wire, somewhere between, depending on your market, 5 to 30% price reductions over the next year. The key is rapid. It's unlikely that in most of those markets, the drops are rapid because people still have, like even if prices drop 15%, that still means they're up 15, 20% or more from pre-pandemic levels. So they still have equity. They're not necessarily a forced or distressed seller. So I think that, that that's right on the money. But there is this perception caused, by the way, a lot of the times by home building, that all home prices will adjust as quickly. And we've talked about this a lot. I'll let you guys share your thoughts in a second. But again, the real estate market is made up of new homes and existing homes. And new homes have to adjust prices quickly because there's nowhere else for those homes to go. When the, new, when the builder builds them, they sit there, they cost them money. Uh, they have to move them to keep cash flow in the business. So the prices change more rapidly in new construction than existing. And especially when you talk about the equity that people have, plus the low interest rates they've locked in from prior years, there's just not a lot of inventory available on the market. And so those prices aren't dropping as quickly as people wish they would. I think existing homes, when people are putting their homes on the market, they're really a lot of times wanting to ask what they want or what they need and not what it's actually worth. So there's not for builders that it's more black and white for builders in the shifting, I think, and more of numbers instead of that emotional game you see between realtors and homeowners and what it's actually worth and going to sell for. So for sure. Yeah. I do think something like the survey is kind of interesting though, because they did, they asked agents these questions. So it's about what buyers are saying, but it's agents perceptions of that. So I would say that kind of taints yeah. it a little bit too. Yeah. And the other thing is, is volume and price. So that's where, again, builders are taking it twice as hard in some sense because lower, lower sales volumes and having to adjust prices. Whereas from an agent or broker's perspective, they're mostly sad about the, the lower volume. The prices mm -hmm. tend to be supported. Yeah. Go Jackie. Well, I was just going to say that second bullet point in there in terms of, then you're right, the agent's perception of that people are still thinking that they have the short memory of, oh no, my house will still sell for a bidding war within this days. I'm not worried. And I'm sure that's also kind of fed by the agents saying like, yeah, I still want that commission if I can still get it. But there's just this like butting of heads of I'm waiting for prices to drop and no, my house is worth more because my baby took their first steps in this house. So of course it's worth a hundred grand more than what it should be. So it's, it's just an interesting, I think, time of the differences between buyers and sellers perceptions right now. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And we did talk to a builder just yesterday who was talking about how they're losing a lot of their sales there at the financing, you know, when it gets to the mm -hmm. financing stage and they're seeing payments. And that's also what this says that the agents are saying first time home buyers should line up financing. So I wonder how much of that, that the agents are seeing that they think they have somebody they get them to the house and then it's the the financing that's falling through. So 
That's right. And speaking of financing, by the way, a lot of people are very excited that 6.6, 6.7% interest rates now. And again, it's just, it's fascinating to me how, how quickly that expectation has reset. And I, I don't know that I've talked about this on the podcast before. Every time we ever used to run an incentive or a promotion or do something different as a builder, there was always the sense that we would get certain people to get off the fence, but especially 07 to 09 timeframe, a lot of it was getting feedback from salespeople of, I've got all these people who are there. We found the home they want and they just won't make a decision. They just won't move. And this idea of fence sitters kind of came back to me the other day as I was thinking through this. And, and the reality is there's always more people who sit on the fence while something's happening. So this idea that everyone bought a home in the last two years who wanted a home, everyone made the move. No, a whole bunch of people did, but there's more people who sat and thought about, I should think about it. Maybe I should do that. And they didn't. And mm-hmm. so that's where you you have this opportunity still for some strong pops in 2023 as and if rates cool off. Because when rates go back to six, you're going to have a whole bunch of people who just say, this is it, now's my chance. Mm-hmm. I, I still have better rates and less competition to get the home that I want. There's always more people sitting on the fence than the ones taking action. All right, the next kind of three topics together We'll start with GeekWire. Redfin cutting 13% of its workforce and shutting down its home flipping business, Redfin Now. Mike Delpreet wrote an article about Zillow offers and Open Door, kind of saying, hey, one year later, uh, since Zillow shuttered uh, their program, Open Door is having some of the same profitability per home challenges and well, just profitability challenges that Zillow is having, and sometimes even to a greater degree because of the market conditions. And then we also have Meta. Choosing to lay off more than 11,000 employees, which I think, again, was like 13% of their workforce as well, in an article from the New York Times. So I think you just take all these three things together as kind of one general conversation of, first of all, paradoxically, this, and I feel terrible pushing this button, but this is all good news. It's not good news for the people who lost their jobs. That's not what I mean at all. But the job market is still strong and most of those people will, will be able to find something quickly, hopefully quickly. The good news is that it means that what the Fed wants to happen and why interest rates are being pushed higher is starting to happen. It doesn't mean it's not going to be painful, but I, I keep saying we just want more pain faster, please, is the bumper sticker that should be on the back of our car right now. Because if rates stay above seven for the next year and a half, that will be really not good for housing. In fact, I could even, I was talking to someone the other day, I think it would be worse than the great financial crisis on its impact on home builders if rates stayed above 7% for a year and a half or longer. We need rates to spike up, slow things down, people to lose their jobs, the markets to cool overall. Again, crypto kind of exploding, FTX exchange going bankrupt. By the way, I I saw a really spicy tweet that said, uh, if you had just shorted each one of the advertisers of the Super Bowl by $1,000 each, you'd be like close to a billionaire right now. Oh, wow. So FTX has the uh, naming rights for one of the arenas in Miami, as an example. And they essentially will no longer exist probably by the time you hear this episode. So all that is good news that things are kind of breaking and and things are are not working and people are getting laid off in the bigger picture of if we can get that pain and then reduce rates down and people still keep their jobs who haven't been let go, housing will recover a lot faster 
and if we're stuck at above 7% for a year and a half. Because of that speed to kind of tie the articles all together, because existing house prices reset slowly, if the rates don't stay there very long, they won't have time to have the same kind of pain that we have on the new construction side. And again, that's a good, that's a good thing for new construction generally. But I mean, Redfin deciding net open door and offer pad are kind of the last two iBuyer style companies of any size left standing. And open door clearly a number one in comparison to offer pad, but definitely taking it on the chin right now. In fact, I even saw speculation, although I find this hard to believe that they would pivot and just start renting out the homes they have versus trying to sell them. Mm. Yeah. That's what some builders are doing with inventory that they can't get rid of. So I understand why people might make that connection, but open door is a public company and public builders, generally speaking, are not making this pivot to renting homes. It's the private builders that are doing that because they don't have shareholders to answer to in the same way that a, a public security does. So you, if you're a public company, you can't just change your whole business model uh, when you've got investors who are expecting you to run your company a certain way. But it also means at the end of this, if OfferPad and Opendoor are the only two left standing, or if Opendoor is the only one left standing, as long as they can, I mean, th that would put them as the market maker for for this type of offering is the only one kind of still doing, doing it that way. Well, and for builders, I mean, I feel like they need something like open door more than ever since they're having all of that pushback from buyers. Well, it's not a good time for me to list my home on contingency. So mm -hmm. yeah, certainty we, is we still, I think the right number now. one mm -hmm. reason that people would be looking at open door, certainly yeah. certainty and convenience. Mm -hmm. And then Meta laying off 11,000 workers. My first thought is how many of the people who end up buying a home for, you know, they're like, oh, this is such a steal to buy a home in Texas or Iowa or wherever else and work remotely. How many of them now are going to need to consider relocating to where an employer is versus being able to continue the work from home? And what impact, mm -hmm. if any, that has on some of the smaller housing markets around the country. It's probably so diffuse that it really doesn't have much impact, but it makes you wonder if, again, homes in the in the Bay Area will actually become more expensive as a whole bunch of those 11,000 people end up trying to move back. I actually saw with Twitter, they were saying with everything that's happening over there, that's interesting. Um, they're getting rid of the work from home too. So it's like, we, if you were remote, if you did move, you have to come back now is what yeah. they're saying. So- the, yeah, I hadn't and, thought about uh, that with all these layoffs, how many are work from home and how many are right. there. So that's interesting. I have to say, I probably shouldn't say, but don't edit this out. I, as a business owner, <laughs> as a business owner who has always had work from home, do you convert's always been distributed workforce? I am excited about other people mandating a return to the office. <laughs> Because it's a big, it's a big benefit that a lot of people are like, well, it's not a benefit anymore, but I, I think it will become a benefit again to be able to have the luxury of working from home uh, if you're part of the Duty Convert team. So yeah. I, I also <laughs> Jackie's, I don't know, you seem like you're nervous that we're having this conversation right now. <laughs> She's like, I don't want to do more editing, Kevin. Just <laughs> keep it. I also have a have a feeling. I'm just gonna put this out into the world. Not uh, actually, I'm just acknowledging what's already in the world the number of people who have connected to me saying, Hey, are you aware of a builder who's looking? I, my, if you want to get out your prediction file, Jackie, I think a lot of people are going to be making moves mm -hmm. at the end of this year. I don't, I don't know if there's compensation things with bonuses and what, 
what is driving that. Sometimes it's just the holidays and that slowdown you talked about, Julie, makes people look around and say, uh, no thanks. I mean, people that we don't work with, but are, are people that I respect uh, reaching out to me saying, I'm, I'm already planning to leave my builder at the end of the year. I'm like, but if I look on the socials, everything's awesome and you love your team and you love your company. And so I don't know what the cause of all this is, but it seems like it's not great resignation part two, but in our industry specifically, it seems like there's going to be another reshuffling of people and where they're working around the end of this year. I think that goes along with, I think it also goes along with, you know, like online sales, money was easy in those positions and now they're having to work hard again. And it's just an uncomfortable shift for people who had a different idea of what their job responsibility well, was. Well, yeah. Let me clarify something that you said that could be taken out of context. It's oh. not that the the job was hard, but the income was consistent. Mm. Now the job is hard and the income is inconsistent, right? So it's not that the money was easy. They still had a lot of unhappy people and just constant amount of volume to work with, but the income coming in consistently makes it easier to tolerate that I think is, is, yeah. is what it, it probably has more to do with. Julia? Yeah, that was related to, I was going to say, do you think more people are going to leave the industry as things get harder, as the heat gets turned up from leadership yeah. and things get harder, people are just going to jump ship and leave home building. Yeah, they are. And that's the exact wrong thing to do in my opinion. Again, the best piece of advice I ever was given was when when the proverbial building is on fire and run into it and and try to do your best because you're not actually in a building that's on fire, you're you're not going to die. And the company may not work out, things may go horribly wrong, but you will learn a lot and there's way more upside than downside. And that was the other thing I was telling this group of leaders that I I did the talk to. Um was you're going to get a lot of advice from people who mean well right now. And they're going to say, get out of home building like this. Do you not read the news and it's cyclical and it's all going to be bad. It is absolutely the time to stay in home building. Unless I guess the caveat would be if you came into this industry in the last two years and you were unwilling to work Mm -hmm. and grow and make things better in an environment that's not like the last two years, and maybe you should get out and make room for someone else who wants to put in the effort. But if you, if you've been in the industry for more than four and a half years, you should stay. And so maybe that's the advertisement to you. Then you should reach out on LinkedIn and say, who else is hiring or where else should I consider looking? Because the opportunity for the people who want to stick around and and get the work done is going to be big. There was a quote that a, a builder told I think both of us were in that meeting, Kevin, go boldly into the arena, I believe it was, by Mm -hmm. Brene Brown. And, you know, I think kind of what you're saying is you just have to just approach it with confidence and just move forward and ask. We're not saying if you're miserable where you are to stay there ever. Yeah, agreed. Make a change. Life's too short. But if you really like it, but you just think someone smarter than you is around you saying that you should consider changing, because I, I think... Again, more pain faster is good, but also I do believe that more pain is yet to come and being the first one in to a new organization when it looks likely that we're heading into a recession, if not in one to some degree right now, that's not a great move either necessarily. I mean, people always feel like staying is a risk when the market is going down. Leaving is also a risk. It just feels better because you feel like you're leaving that building that's on fire. 
but you're just jumping into something else that you don't really know what's going on with it. And the industry is small, so I feel like we'll see everyone soon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Moving on to something happier. Yeah. Current favorites. Let's round it out with favorites. I'll start. Yeah, Julie? Jackie? Jackie? Loom. If you aren't using Loom, which I assume most of everyone is, but it surprises me how many people still go, what's Loom? The best tool to record videos, train yourself on things you don't use do pretty often. If you're not comfortable in lasso, take record your screen as you're doing the steps, save the video for yourself and create your own training manual. Um, but I think it even calculates how many meetings it saves you and working with so many builders and little problems they ask about. It is just a, a wonderful time saver and self-training tool, especially when, when there are smaller teams. So again, go download Loom, yeah. go spend your money on it. I don't, I think you get a certain amount for free. Uh, yeah, for, for most people listening, you'll never need a paid version. If you're trying to create a library, like, like Jackie's talking about, you will need to pay a little bit of something, but yeah, I, I was interesting. I was doing another kind of end of year talk for a builder and the builder's wife, who's not in the industry said, do you ever use any like video tools like loom? I go, Oh yeah. Loom and bomb bomb. And she, she was familiar with bomb bomb, which we love. But Loom really is starting to kind of box out in some ways the ability to to just send that that video message easily. And I know BombBomb had to pivot and they've added in the ability to screen share as well now. So if you already have a BombBomb account, just know you can do Loom-like things with that account. If you don't have either one, then Loom may be something that you, if for the specific purpose of, of screen share recording versus kind of sales and marketing conversations, definitely check it out. Julie, yep. what about you? Mine's kind of random and not for everybody, but I just listened to- That's what the to- whole segment's about. I love it, <laughs> I, randomness. I, I just listened to the book called I'm Glad My Mom Died. Have y'all heard about yeah. this? So it's Jeanette McCurdy, who was a Disney star, child star. And it's um, she's, a, she's a great writer. And it's about kind of her crazy childhood and her mom who kind of pushed her into it. So maybe not for everybody, but it was a surprisingly really hmm. good book. So I'm glad. And my is mom is the headline a lie or the title of the book a lie or is she actually happy? Her mom was n- not a great mom <laughs> for, okay. for a lot of reasons. So um, okay. if you like kind of, it is kind of a celebrity memoir, but maybe not in the way you'd think it's well-written and really interesting if you're awesome. interested in that kind of thing. So. I'm going to say, I'm trying to stick with some things on my phone. Last time I talked about some podcasts that I like to listen to that are outside of the industry. And I love the app for iOS called Cast, C-A-S-T-S. It lets you pull in any podcast you want, including if you have to subscribe to any paid versions of something, you can add that in easily. It has a better overall interface than than the built-in podcast app. And what I love is the um, ability to fine tune, adjust how much white noise or space you want to remove. So it's not just speed everything up and make everybody sound like a Muppet or or whatever. It is just remove pauses and just in pauses alone. I know I've done this before, but here's, here's how much I list. I have saved 10 days of time, not listening to empty silence in podcasts using the app. So 10 extra days of my life or 10 extra days of content that I've been able to consume just by removing pauses. I love it. Okay. And I think the, I think there's a paid version is like a dollar 99 one time expense, but it's to- totally worth it. If you listen to a lot of podcasts. Awesome. 
All right. That'll do it for this week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to send in your industry-related questions to show at doyouconvert.com and we'll be in touch or and we'll touch on them in a future episode. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Marketproof Marketing is proudly supported by Opendoor. Visit opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn how you can partner with Opendoor to increase certainty, speed, and ease for your home buyers. All opinions expressed by me. Andrew Peake, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. View hundreds of articles, videos, and more for free at doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on social networks or in real life. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.